And it was supposed to be a quick goodbye. And I like barreled out of the vehicle. And I had to throw up in his neighbor's <laughs> garbage can. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 40th episode, I'm here with Katie Tupper. Throughout the podcast, we discuss the creative process behind her two EPs towards the end and where to find me. Her live shows, Crossing Canada in her car, uh, community in the music industry, Katie's origin story, and much, much more. We also play the Dream Fest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. For those who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning everybody that lives it, loves it, surrounds it, hangs in it. Uh, our goal is to shine a light on roles, people, and realities of the music industry that are often uh, forgotten or taken for granted. Uh, whether you're someone that's dreaming about making a movie industry in the industry, have something recorded and doesn't know what to do with it, uh, wants to do live shows, um, you're at the right place. This week, I have uh, the honor to uh, welcome a friend, uh, an artist, a new sort of Torontonian slash Saskatooner. I don't even know if that's the term um, <laughs> uh, to the podcast. It's Katie Tepper, everybody. Hi. How are you? Hey, I'm so good. How are you? <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you smell like fresh laundry. Do I? Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> you act like that was a bad thing. Well, I don't know. I, it is. It's a good thing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I said anything. <laughs> No, no, please. <laughs> I just know I've never got that out yeah. the intro. So thank you very much. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite experience? <laughs> what's your favorite experience as a as a as a fan of 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 music, of, as as live music specifically? Do you have like a favorite memory of going to a show? Um. Yeah, I feel like I am a bit of a prisoner to proximity. Every sure. last show that I go to is kind of my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say as a fan going to shows, I saw Half Moon Run in Saskatoon. It was pre-COVID. Yeah. And those guys just put on such a good show. Yeah. They're running around the stage. They're playing all these different instruments. It's crazy. Mm. And the musicianship is insane. So I think that was one of my favorite shows. And then Matt Corby a couple days ago. Yeah. His voice is insane. Yeah. And I'm just like such a big fan of his and... Uh, getting to watch him play in like a 500 cap room was crazy. Yeah, yeah. and that was at the new uh, TD Hall. TD Hall, incredible yeah. acoustics. Yeah, they do a really good job with the sound. So yeah. it was just like so yeah. awesome. And just like for those who don't know, you were there as his opening act. I bought a ticket initially. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. Dates were announced. I bought a ticket. I was like, we gotta go. So I bought a ticket for me and my partner. Um, and then maybe like two weeks after that, I thought. I should see if I can just open for him instead. And so I Whoa. texted my agents and was like, you should look into this. Because he, I had looked on the tour and he had his opening, uh, his openers announced for LA and New York, um, but not Toronto yet. So I said, you need to look into this. And they did. Whoa. And the people at Massey Hall were into it. And then they looked, spoke to his managers and his managers were into it. And uh, then I got to do it. And then I had to sell my tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you made more money on <laughs> yeah, the show. Than yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's why, that was such a fun show, too, because I got to, like, watch one of my favorite artists and, like, kind of pinch myself that I had just gotten off the stage right after. So it was, like, yeah. an amalgamation of all these really fun, cool things happening, plus his crazy voice. Yeah. 
where do you watch a show like that where <laughs> you can have access to the side stage or yeah. the back of the stage? I've been in the same position. Totally. Where do you where do you personally go to see that show if you're a fan of the artist that you're opening for? I watch that show right in front of the front of house, like sound guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so I had good sound. Yeah. And also, I mean, no one's like swarming me or anything. Like no one even recognizes that I was on stage before. If they are, they're like nice. So yeah. I'll just go into the crowd. Yeah. But for the city and color dates, I was off to the side because that feels fun and VIP. And what am I ever going <laughs> to be in the wings of Budweiser? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So I took advantage of that. Amazing. What about, it might be the same answer, but do you have a favorite ex- experience as a musician, as an artist uh, on stage? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like I have multiple answers for this because there's, the favorite show where everything sounded good, you know, yeah. the banter was working, whatever. But then there's also like the pinch me moments where you're playing this like crazy venue. Um, but I would say that Matt Corby one was so special because that room is so beautiful and his audience is so attentive and like pin drop silent, but then also laughing at your joke. Like they're just an incredible fan base. Yeah. So they were really fun to play too. Um, I opened for Haley Blay in uh, London earlier in the spring and it was a sold out show and it was again like that 400 500 caps you can see everyone and you can actually talk to people um and her audience was like so amazing and funny and cute and our band sounded really good so I would say probably yeah when I get like we sound good the band sounds good and also the people that I'm playing to are really into it I would say that Matt Corby show is really special and the Haley Blay show is really special amazing Going into the second topic is um, is sort of like the music business part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We tend to sort of um, sort of think about these things just because, well, that's the theme yeah, of the podcast, and yeah, um, we have to as as artists now in twenty twenty three. When I say Erica Badu's quote, which I know you're a fan of, huge fan of, um, she says, "This is an old quote," and. If you're listening to this, I might have to eventually change the quote. So please let me know uh, if I have to change the quote. But we've been doing this since the beginning. Um, And uh, the quote is, music and music business are two different things. Um, What are your first instincts when you hear that, when you read this beforehand? um, What was was the vibe there? Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I think um, they are two completely separate things. I think it's like this beautiful, special golden orb that you tap into. And then Mm. how do you sell that? And how do you make sure that people like what this special intangible thing is? Yeah. Um, And I think it like breaks a lot of our brains that are artists. I feel like I came out as an artist quite a bit later and was sort of more in a corporate mindset leading up to becoming a musician. Like I went to school, I did the post-secondary at business school. And so I think um, I've always kind of like had that in the back of my mind of like, how are these things marketable? How are we branding all this? Which I think can be beneficial, but it also takes away from this like raw authenticity of being an artist. Um, And I think now they're two completely different things, but because so many roles in the music industry and so many gatekeepers and so many positions are now put onto the artist it's two separate things and you have to think about them simultaneously you don't have like a major label that you're bumping that's giving you tracks to sing on you know yeah that's you know pitching you music videos that's giving you branding that's telling you who to open for it's like all put on the artist now 
So they're two very different things and you have to figure out both of them. And it's fun to do both of them. Like there is a lot of fun and beauty and like having complete creative control over your business and your brand mm-hmm. and your livelihood. Like I think it's a good thing to be involved in it. Um, but it's also like capitalistic and scary and gross. Yeah. Where does where does the music business like when do you tend to start about the music business part of your process in the creative process? Uh, or at what point, like during like your writing, creating, yeah. recording, like it, it, does it ever come into play or do you tend to sort of separate the two? Yeah, I think I try to separate them as much as possible. I think it's more so how do I want these songs to serve like the next chapter? Like I'm working on an album right now and I have been loving how my live shows have been going, but I want them to be a little bit more up-tempo. I want people to be able to dance. I want it to have a little more late-night usage, you know? And so that's more of the mindset of, like, you could look at that and be like, okay, this is consumer usage, and this is, like, how how do you want people to use your product? But I think you can look at it from both ways. And I try to delay it as much as possible. I would say so much of it, way more than is this marketable will people like this is just like my own ego and like is this cool are people gonna think this is cool yeah yeah yeah. um and then i think the i think the business ties in when live shows come into play it's like okay who am i gonna open for that's gonna be good for whatever who's gonna open for me how do we you know i think maybe playing live shows feels a little bit more business oriented yeah Coming also from, you you were saying yourself, like a more of a like educational background, even coming yeah. from, uh, like, there's not a lot of artists that, especially early on, that are coming from a post-secondary background where they, they did study a bunch of different things. Totally. Um, like, are there different things that sort of come up now that you weren't expecting in the music industry? Mm, yeah, all the time. I think yeah. the closer you get to the music industry, the more, like, it's funny, I have friends re- like ask me questions all the time. Well, like, are they going to pay for your gas on tour? Like, who's they? It's me. (laughs) Well, do they put you up in hotels? Do they, like, there's always this, like, mystical they that before you're in the music industry, you think all of these people have so much more support behind them. Yeah. And then you get into it, at least as an indie artist. Like, of course, if you have a major label, it's different. But as an indie artist, you get into it and you realize, like, okay, I am going to be routing my tours. I'm going to be, you know, you're a small business. And yeah. I think that's a little bit jarring when you get closer into it, just like how much an artist invests monetarily into their career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's like the main surprise. I I wish I had a little less of this like analytical uh, analytical viewpoint towards it all. Like I have some friends that are just such artists and just like so tap yes. into the flow state. And I wish I had more of that, but I'm just like, Virgo moon brain that I can't do it. (laughs) But I wish I was more like that. Yeah. With now having no management, um, with having a label like arts and crafts, how has that sort of changed your direction or even just your process even? Mm -hmm. Like, can you now sort of think about music in that that golden orb that you were saying beforehand because you have support on that end of things? Totally. Yeah, I think, uh, I also think I can just be a little bit more advantageous with my asks like now that I have agents yeah I can ask my agents if I can open for Matt Corby yeah how would I have got like what would that path have been I mean I'm sure I could have figured it out and like like a DM or something yeah exactly (laughs) like there's absolutely ways for that to happen but I think now having managers and agents and labels it's like I can ask for you know 
certain things that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely I just can like be hands off with a lot of things like having managers. My managers do so much for me. They take so much off my plate um, and the label the same. Like they help with all like so much playlisting and so much marketing that I don't have to touch, which is so nice. Yeah. Um, so I think it definitely helps uh, reshift my focus just to music. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of shifting to just sort of like a, a sort of general question. Where do you think the, the music industry is going? Um, I have no clue. Yeah. I feel like uh, obviously TikTok and social media have like so much of an impact on it. Yes. But good songs are still being made and good songs are still being put out and the right people are still being put on. Um, and like, I, I don't know, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday or the day before just about how so many of the gatekeepers have been taken away almost the point now that you can succeed this is like a little okay i hate to be pessimistic but almost to the point where there's such little gatekeeping done on the label or discovery side that now it's just people with enough money or enough tiktok presence or enough whatever those are the people being discovered yes because it's like if you get enough exposure things are going to click you know Mm -hmm. um and so i don't know how this could work but we were just talking about like bringing back tastemakers and bringing back you know, Pitchfork and whatever, all the other blogs and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if people are looking for music discovery through those like more traditional routes, but um, I think like bringing back a few of those tastemakers to like put people on yeah. so that it's not just like the loudest dollar. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's incredible. We want access. Everyone should be able to access making music. Everyone should regardless of where you live, socioeconomic status, race, whatever. But often, like, a lot of people, I feel like the music industry was kind of ahead of the game where, like, a lot of people that didn't necessarily have the right cards dealt could still be discovered and brought up and, you know, do this whole crazy thing. And now that can obviously still happen on a major label scale, but it would be awesome to... uh, have people still be able to be discovered by tastemakers, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where are you at in, like, in like trying to push that discovery for your um, sort of artist? I um, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think um, I think it's something that uh, you can push, and but, like, the right people will discover the right things at the right time. So you obviously you have to put it out, and you have to be loud, and you have to make sure you're seen. Um, but I think at a certain point it's like, uh, I don't see, you know, paying for a TikTok playlist, uh, or paying for marketing on TikTok through that. That doesn't seem that worthwhile to me just for how I frame myself Yeah, yeah, yeah. in a point of view of like where my music exists in the music industry. But it's like a completely, I don't know how people want their music to be discovered and how you want to be seen. Yeah. And maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because TikTok's amazing. Like, it's incredible. Totally. I, I feel like almost half of the people that I'm listening to now in the past, like, year or two, I found on TikTok and they're amazing and they're incredible and they're tiny, you know, like, they're really small artists. So, I don't know. It's like a weird thing where you want these tastemakers to come back because of oversaturation, but also this oversaturation is giving me so many new artists that I love. Yeah. 
I have no clue. Yeah. It's like these social medias are becoming the new tastemakers and the dollar value is becoming the new tastemaker. It's like whoever has the most amount of views, most amount of money is also going to get these opportunities to just further develop their artists. Which I guess is nothing new. Like money has been money, but it's just something that feels like a little bit more um, obvious. Yeah. Now, totally. you know, as a fan, you mentioned TikTok as a disc- yourself discovering our mm-hmm. new artists through TikTok. Are there other sort of ways that you've been discovering just new, new, new artists, new music? I feel like the main it's like TikTok or it's like word of mouth. Like yes. people that I sure. know listen to really good music. I'm bugging them for, yeah. you know, their playlists or whatever. Um I'm an Apple Music girl, not Spotify. So I wish I had the Spotify <laughs> new music discovery under yeah. my wing. But um, yeah, I think it's mainly it, like just my friends that are putting me on to cool people. Cool. Yeah. Shifting to now the uh, the origin story, madame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please tell the people where you grew up, where like where, where you're where you're from. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yes. Um, and yeah, I was born and raised there. I grew up there. I went to high school there. I went to university there. I left and went to Europe for like the end of my, like kind of like a study abroad thing. Yeah. Yeah. For like half, like eight months. Yeah. Um, where'd you go? I was in France. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Don't ask me to speak French. (laughs) I only made friends with (laughs) British and Canadians, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And yeah, and then I moved back to Saskatoon and then I moved to Canmore for like a year. Mm. Actually, like when music was happening, I signed with Arts and Crafts. Yeah. And in that same day, like packed up and drove to Canmore. So that was kind of like that marked the beginning of music. Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like. Yeah. And I lived there for a year and then I moved back to Saskatoon and now I'm splitting my time here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask about, and we're not even, we're just, I'm just going to ask uh, about something that you just touched on. Um, just like arts and crafts discovering you, mm-hmm. um, was it, um, and some, sometimes the people don't like to share about it either. So complete um, fluke. It, yeah. How was that? Crazy. Like, was it, because I know you were, you had a, a pass in music as well with yeah. BBND. Yeah. You got it. Um, like what, uh, what was the process like? Was it yeah. like just discovering through playlists um no i had a woman reach out to me um that was running production like tv production she was a tv producer for the junos yeah and she had reached out and said that she had saw me singing on instagram because i was just posting on like instagram and twitter and anywhere that i could slap my face um she had seen me singing on instagram and she reached out and said the junos are coming to saskatoon in 2020 would you like to be like a guest audience, like singer situation? Alessia Carr was hosting. So they wanted to like play a game where they pick someone out of the audience. And I was the person they picked out of the audience. Like we had this whole thing. Right. Um, And then the Junos didn't happen. They were canceled because of COVID, um, which thank God, because I actually don't (laughs) think like, I honestly think I gave myself like a stomach ulcer leading up to it. I was so nervous. I hadn't played like I hadn't played anything live. And now I'm like going into this auditorium, like literally massive stadium. I was so scared for it. They should have happened. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not happy it didn't happen, but <laughs> I was so nervous. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't end up happening. This woman was like, listen, 
my email is in your contact list now. Like, just reach out whenever. I was like, okay, rock and roll. Sweet yeah. angel. Charlotte, love you. Um, and then over COVID, obviously, that the, they happened right at the beginning of COVID in March. And that was canceled. COVID happened. I had been doing stuff with BB&D. And um, he's an incredible musician, an incredible producer. Um, and he was writing all the instrumentals. And I would just come in and write the um, lyrics and the vocal melodies over top. Mm. And I've been writing for a really long time and wanted to sort of make my own project where I was doing the instrumentals and I was producing all of it. Um, so over COVID, I did that. I got four songs, uh, did like a little four song EP um, and had a friend co-produce it with me. And we did it at another friend's studio. Um, and I had this project. Yeah. I was like, OK, what now? So I sent it to a couple of people. I sent it to some like random contact at Island uh, records yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that literally when I was living in Europe, I had gone in once and I was like, I want to do music. And they're like, okay, what are your songs? And I said, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, cool. And yeah. like, obviously they didn't respond back to me. <laughs> um, but Charlotte, I reached out to her and she was like, I'm going to send this around for you. Like, thank you for sending this to me. And she sent it to, um, Lori Lee, yes, who at the time was doing A and R Farts and Crafts, and she heard it, and thank God she heard something in it. Um, so she signed me to them, uh, and I found out later. I thought like her and Charlotte were friends, but Charlotte had just cold emailed her. Whoa, yeah, and was like, "Hey, you don't know me, but I want to put this in front of you," um, or they like knew each other through people, but it was just like a cold email that a stranger had sent on my behalf. Wow. Which is makes one of vomit. Like, what if she? What <laughs> yeah. if you know she gets like hundreds of emails a day? What if that had just like not made it yeah. past, or she listened to it on an off day and she didn't like a low sultry voice? Sure, that, sure, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, which is so crazy and makes me like sick to my stomach thinking of. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, they signed me, and then she put me in touch with Wild, one of her artists, Connor Sadell, who yeah, uh, yeah is like the most insane producer. And then we made. She was like, yeah, I'll sign you, but try again and just let me like make another ep yeah and they gave me like a year and a bit to do that uh so then i made the first record and then yeah there we are yeah here we are back to uh your roots and yeah. shout out Lori because uh god bless we, we, her we love, we my love mother her. um yeah quite literally <laughs> mama. quite literally your mom. my mama <laughs> um going back to saskatoon how is your um your creative like upbringing like, was there a creative upbringing? Like, what was what was your, like, childhood like when it, when it comes to, like, like creativity and music specifically? Yeah, I feel like um, I've always loved singing. Yeah. You know, I was playing the piano from a young age. We were, like, forced to do five years of piano in my family. Yeah. And then you could choose afterwards, <laughs> sure. and I kept going. But um, I kind of grew up just, like, really scatterbrained doing a bunch of everything. Like, I wanted to play every different sport. Every yeah. year I was changing the sport I was playing. Um I went to like a uh, church until I wasn't into that anymore when I was like 13. And so I was in like a youth band yeah, um, yeah. and was like in the bands, you know, in elementary school, I played drums uh, <laughs> okay. in my school. Okay. Okay. school. We'll have to have a drum off of later. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I feel like I didn't have this like burning passion and desire that I needed like I knew I love singing it was <laughs> about drums yeah, yeah. yeah no exactly yeah. well I did but it's not good enough um no I just like didn't have this like 
this is the only thing I can do mm-hmm. until I started singing and writing and knowing what it feels like to perform live. Then I was like, okay, this is the only thing I can do. Yeah. Um, and I always love music. I always love singing. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it, I loved music, but it wasn't maybe like the only thing I cared about up until I was in like high school, you know? Yeah. yeah. What do you, do you remember like a moment that changed everything for you? Um, honestly, I think I started posting videos on like Instagram when Mm. I was in high school and I was getting attention for doing that. Sure. Like online attention. Yeah. yeah. And I was getting like really nice comments from my friends and from strangers. Um, and they weren't get like, you know, they were getting maybe a couple thousand, 10,000 views. Um, at the time, at the time, big felt like something, but, um, I think just like having that feeling of like, this is something that I really like doing. Okay. I'm going to do the scary thing and post it. And then getting that like positive affirmation back as a drug. Hopefully hooked me. You mentioned high school. Uh, How was that high school? Like for like music stuff, you know, not every high school is great for arts and culture. Yeah. There was a jazz band that like I was in choir and, uh, in the musicals and stuff, Okay, but I was like really sporty. Yeah, mainly yeah. growing up, like I played really competitive hockey until grade eleven, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of thought I was going to do that. I was like, I'm going to go to school and get like a hockey scholarship, yeah, and like play hockey at college, um, in college, and uh, yeah, then it kind of just started being opposing forces, like the time and energy that hockey was consuming meant that I wasn't able to go to all of the choir practices and I wasn't able to be in the musical. And then there was a certain shift of like, okay, I really like singing a lot more and I don't like hockey anymore. So, and immediately like grade 12, I had the switch. Yeah. And instantly was like, Oh, this is what I want to do forever. Yeah. Do you, do you have, and a lot of people do, I do when I, when I even think about this question, um, do you have like a, a teacher in high school that was like that you think about still in regards to just like music and the choir, like a choir teacher, or yeah. like, a, like yeah. a music, a music class teacher. We had, oh, I hope I get her name right. I think her name was Miss Flynn. Okay. And she was our jazz band um, teacher. And do you know Justice Durr? Of course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We yeah. went to the same high school yes. in Saskatoon. He's <laughs> this is mind-blowing. <laughs> a year or two younger than me. Yeah. But we played together, like, in our jazz band. He played guitar <laughs> and I would sing, <laughs> which is so crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we would uh, – I would say she, like, introduced it. But I think, honestly, I had a piano teacher growing up where I switched from classical to jazz um, piano. And at the same time – like, I feel like this really was what – okay, I'm having this like flood, like a download <laughs> yeah. of like, oh, this was it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know what my moment was before, but yeah. Um, I had a jazz piano teacher, Jesse Brown, who's like this incredible pianist and makes beautiful, beautiful music. Um, and as he was teaching me jazz piano was kind of the same time that I was realizing how much I like to sing and how much I like to write music. Mm. Um, and he had a mic he had like a DAW on his computer and he was the one that was like okay you can keep learning piano but like let's figure out how you can use this now as a vehicle of accompaniment 
underneath your voice. Yes. And basically all of my piano skills shut off then. Like I just completely did not give <laughs> a fuck about learning piano after that. Yeah. And um, was just like learning songs that I could sing over top of. Yes. And I was recording them and he was really encouraging me to play songs that I felt really good singing. Mm. And he was really encouraging about me pursuing music and and going out of his way to say like this is something special and you should like really um foster it yeah so I think he was like the biggest inspiration honestly of just like oh this is like something that someone who's really good at music is telling me I should do yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm gonna do it yeah what kind of music like were you what, what kind Adele, of covers, Amy Winehouse, like, yeah. Coldplay, Frank Ocean <laughs> there was a cover a cover of um thinking about you Oh, oh yes, yeah. So bad, and it was on my YouTube. He, we like uploaded it to some like much music competition. Yeah, and that was on my YouTube. Like when I signed Arts and Crafts, they were like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what is the password to this YouTube? Because we have to take this video down." And I forgot the password, so they had to like go through YouTube no, and like yeah. go to the admin and be like, "Take this video down <laughs> Support. for artists." Yeah, 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 but definitely like Adele. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, chasing pavements. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were your like influences like other than all these people? Yeah, like what were the what were the influences like early on that you would like even listen to at home or like the music that your parents were yeah. parents were listening to? Like, I would say I got into neo soul when I was like honestly through VBND. He kind of put me on to all of it when I was yeah in like grade eleven. Mm-hmm. But previous to that, I was listening to a lot of like um, my parents loved like. Canadian pop punk music. So we were listening to like um I guess they're not Canadian, but Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, Billy Talent, yeah. Simple Plan, Headley. Oh, okay. <laughs> um and I loved Panic at the Disco. Yeah. Like w- all of the albums that were put out before 2012 I loved I would sit with my notebook and like write out all of the <laughs> lyrics and make like little lyric books for them yeah I loved Maroon 5 yes I love singing along to Adam mm. Levine <laughs> yeah. um but yeah I feel like I was listening to a lot of like Canadian pop punk music <laughs> uh, do you remember like a, a neo soul voice or band or even album that changed like things for you Voodoo, obviously. Yeah, okay, yeah. You listen to that and you're like, this is crazy. <laughs> These tones are insane. Um, but I think, like, yeah, then it was, like, D'Angelo first. I was like, okay, this is so cool yeah. and crazy and I haven't heard anything like this. And then it was Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. Um, like Soulquarians movement? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it was, um, yeah, just hearing voices like that and just, like, the presentation on an mm, album like yes how yeah. can it be so like effortless and like almost careless but so incredible and like iconic that is yeah just like really really stuck with me now after high school um you went to post-secondary for um, had a marketing degree. marketing degree and yeah my bachelor's of marketing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the whole time I was like this is so fucking stupid I'm not gonna use this yeah, yeah like the yeah. whole time I was like when can I do but I didn't know that I could do music at the same time. Ever. Right. I didn't know. It was like, okay, I like to sing, but now what? Right, right, Like, right, I right, didn't, right. I, and I was, you know, considering, like, okay, do I go to Humber? Do I whatever? But then yes. it was too late, and I hadn't done it, and, like, yeah. I didn't feel like I was enough of a musician to actually mm. go to music school and, like, spend all this money on a music degree, and I wish I had. Um, but, yeah, I went to school, and it was just like, this is a waste of my time, but 
what else should I do? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I saw no road or path to it. Yeah. You know? Throughout your post-secondary studies, like, was it, um, was there a year or two that, like, stood out, or that stands out for you now as, like, okay, th- those are, like, my, still my musical years in post-secondary? Yeah, definitely. Wait, maybe I didn't start doing VB&D stuff till university. Definitely whenever him and I started working together. Yeah. Um, like, he really put me on to like there's someone in Saskatoon doing this and getting like songs with millions of streams. Yeah. yeah. And now he's putting me on to these songs and they're getting millions of streams and I didn't even know this was possible. Mm. Um, so I think that was really encouraging just to be like, Oh, if you're putting out good music and there's channels to do this, like people will listen to it hopefully regardless of where you are, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think whenever I started working with him, which would have been my first or second year of university. Okay. Okay. I have no clue. Yeah. It's such bad. That's I cannot re- remember dates or years yeah. or album names or people's names or. Fi- it's fine. I need to eat more omegas, more fatty fish <laughs> oils. I think. <laughs> uh, we'll do it. We'll do it again once you get that. Uh, yeah. Your yeah uh, I'll ask you again about these these questions. Yeah. Um. So so okay so VBND this is like this is early post secondary. Did it carry yeah. out through post secondary your marketing degree? Yeah. Um, and Canmore was after. Canmore is after, yeah. So I think I was working with him up until maybe 2018. Yeah. I think he, I featured on one or two songs with him. Uh, and then maybe like an album or two albums or something. <laughs> yeah. But I think the last project that I worked with him where I was on like a major, like, majority of it i was part of the band yeah um the yes, soulmate collective right. i was part mm. of that band i was the vocalist for right. at that time for that band um and then that ended in 2018 yeah and i remember just being like this is great this had its chapter this is amazing but i really want to see what my own music sounds like um so then i think yeah like 2019 2020 i kind of was feeling the push to pursue my own sound and to see what I could do as my own producer mm. and uh, get to choose the musicians that were yes. around me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You remember a specific moment in time where it was like, okay, enough. Or n- not enough, yeah. sorry, that's not what I mean. Or, or like making the push towards the solo yeah. career. Like, do you remember a moment in time that was like, ah, like you saw this D'Angelo doc? Or yeah, probably like, <laughs> or 29, like 2019, 2020. Like, honestly... Yeah really uh really close to when I recorded the EP oh wow. um and even then like I was recording this EP but still playing with these guys because it was so fun like some of my favorite shows I've ever played live were with BBND in Saskatoon yeah um and and I think he like knowing what a live show with improvisation and a lot of jazz musicians feels like yeah I have carried that through my live show like I I think the feeling that I got playing in that band was so fun and so incredible yeah um and so I was still playing with them uh and then yeah ni- 2019 2020 it was like okay I really want to work on my own stuff yeah um I think this was like a really beautiful chapter and I felt really lucky to be a part of it um but I just wanted to see what it was like you know doing it on my own yeah, and, yeah. um yeah and getting to like be the decision maker for my own career. 
you know, that's a good feeling. And I also felt like I was a young woman and I wanted to be my own producer and I wanted to, or at least choose the people that I was co-producing with and all this stuff. Um, and so I, yeah, I think we just had like a gradual, um, closing of that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. In comes Connor Seidel, which for those who don't know, got to check out all the stuff that he's doing. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, to name a few, uh, I mean, Katie, of course, uh, Matt Holubowski, uh, Char- Charlotte Cardin, and so many others, too. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's doing some, it's not really said, but I know there's some upcoming stuff with Lee Volbeck. Yeah. Also. He does a half, some of the Half Moon Run half stuff. Half Moon Run he's stuff. He's working on their next project. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Not to announce anything on the well, on the pod. They're posting on the Yeah, Instagram they're posting stories. on it. It's fine. So it's yeah. fine. I know we're watching Connor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so in comes Connor. So what was that like first meeting? Like was it like this like was it like the, did you have context? Was there like a random call? It was all done over Zoom. Like the my, record was done over Zoom? Yeah. The entire almost both almost both of them. We fully met and did a million writing sessions over Zoom. Okay, okay, okay. And then... You recorded. We recorded (laughs) in Montreal. Yeah, Okay, I was like, oh my goodness. No, no, no. No, we recorded in person, but yeah, I don't actually remember our first meeting. Yeah. But it was over Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, we just spent like probably a year going back and forth over Zoom just like once a week. You would send a prod idea. I would send a lyric idea or a guitar yeah. idea or whatever. Just back and forth. Um, and I love him to death. He's incredible. Yeah. He's so sweet. He's so smart. He's builds like such insane worlds with yeah. his production. Like it, it blows my mind. Um, but I think I was a little spoiled because like having him as my first, other than like producing stuff on my own with no experience. Yeah. I have a very high standard now of what the treatment on my vocals is and how a guitar can sound and yeah. how closely I can ask for something and he can so quickly reference it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have a hard time working with anyone <laughs> other than him, I think, because he's just like so good at what he does. Yeah. Another, just even just talking about like people on your record as well, um, highlighting uh, like a Robbie Custer um <laughs> Insane. Who's also insane. He's like, he's like, for the Montreal scene specifically, he's yeah. like your favorite drummer's favorite drummer in Montreal. Yeah. Um, Robbie's been performing with almost pretty much everybody uh, or recording with everybody since like the early 2000s at least. Yeah. Um, such a big fan. And which is crazy though, because I just flew into Montreal and he had all these people picked out. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, trust me, this guy's good. And then he was like the most incredible person, but I didn't even. You know, I don't even know that I have these like icons working on these yes, projects yeah. for me. I'm just like, yeah, drum tone sounds good. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I icons. Icons. Um, and, um, well, of course, Justice. Yeah. Um, I don't have the album list with me here, but I know there's more um, yeah. people. Um, but anyway, getting into your first EP and, uh, you know, just as a note, we don't need to go like through every song here. It's okay. not like it's not like that vibe. Totally. Um, but so what was the process like just writing the record? 
with Connor like through yeah. that? Did you have sketches beforehand? Were you like even some like piano sketches yourself at home? Yeah, there was a few like Danny I had written um on guitar. Yeah. That's why it's only two chords going back and forth because I go. can't play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I wrote that in Canmore. Yeah. Um How Can I Get Your Love mm. was the first song we worked on and uh I think he had sent me that guitar intro. Yeah. That has a guitar intro on it. Uh I grew up in <laughs> Yeah, there is a guitar underneath it though. <laughs> Yeah, he had sent me. Uh, I'm referencing your songs. No, right now. I'm telling you, like, I need to eat more omegas. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I am or who I am. Um, but he had sent me the guitar for that, and I think I was like up at my parents' cottage, and I had recorded all the vocals for that up yeah. there. Like, it was just very like Frankenstein yeah, together. Yeah. Um, and live inside. I think he had sent me. Like, I think yeah, he just yeah. sent me that beat right away, and. Yeah. Um, we wrote off that, but yeah, it was a lot of back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we probably made thirty songs. Yeah, which five came out, you know. And from from the the next EP was a new batch, a new, new batch. Songs. Okay, yeah. okay. It was new songs, except for we had put "Honey" out as a single, and yes, yeah. "Honey" was written for that first EP. Yeah. Um, but then it was just like, okay, this is a lot of slow songs. That is a good song, but we can take a step back and then we put it out after. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the next one, uh, we had revisited some ideas, but it's just like, you know, two or three years had passed, two years had passed since the writing initially had started. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just like a new phase. Hmm. And I had lived in Canmore and I had, you know, come out and I had, there was just like a million things that yeah. I cared a lot more about writing and wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. be part of my narrative. So mm-hmm. yeah, we wrote a completely new batch. What do you, what do you f- feel like some of the bigger differences between those two EPs are in regards to um, like lyrics, mm-hmm. story, but also mm-hmm. even just production wise, like yeah. are there, are there for, for you, I mean, as a listener and I know I've played your music, I can tell some of the differences just totally. in the production. But for you specifically, yeah. Um, what are some of the, some of the some of the things that stand out? I think the main thing for me is uh, just the the lyrics and the message behind it. It felt like I was telling a lot more personal of stories. Yeah, on the second um, on the second one. Yeah, I yeah. feel like the first one um, was you know like my first crack at like what can sound good and what could maybe i sound like yeah 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 um and like getting as close as i could to that and then for the second one i think even just having put out that first one knowing like okay i like this i don't really like that i put this song out i don't like being perceived as this style of musician or whatever yeah taking that and kind of uh guiding me a little bit closer to what i want to sound like with the second one i was talking about a lot more like vulnerable and real stories. Yeah, like yeah. all of them are like deeply personal stories on yes. the second one that I think the first one just, uh, they were personal stories, but maybe not as um, exposing yeah. feeling. Sure. And then production wise, I just think it's like leveled up. I think it's just like, you know, two years later, what was really fun was Connor played most of the bass on the second one, which I feel like writing with a bass yes. line in yes. mind yeah. initially can dictate so much of the song. So we were writing with a little bit more of like a beat slash bass focus. Yeah. Um, and then having, you know, the entire harmonic world built afterwards. 
Um, and I just think it's more R&B. I think it's like a little tiny bit grittier than the first one. It's yeah. like a little less pretty and sparkly. Yes, yeah. Darker, um, darker in tones a little bit. Yeah, yeah, darker in tones for sure. Yeah. On your band camp, this <laughs> is pulling here, but um, you say that uh, each song, this is a Katie quote, <laughs> each song I write and work on brings me one step closer to what I want my music to sound like. This EP is the closest I've ever felt. I really feel like my influences shine through in these songs and uh, they feel really personal. I have two questions here. Um, what are these influences that you are referencing during like an album process? Are you referencing uh, artists, but even records, feeling songs? That's, definitely. That's the, that's the first question. That's the first question. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we definitely did reference a lot. Um, I would say... Um, we dove a lot deeper into like the neo soul of it all. Yeah, yeah. I think that was like a driving force. Like, what drum tone would D'Angelo use? Yes. What are the horn lines that he would write? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Katie Tupper could try to be <laughs> D'Angelo, okay. It's <laughs> the craziest sentence that's <laughs> okay. ever come out of anyone's mouth. Um, but yeah, I think uh. Connor has, has so many obscure references. We were listening to a lot of like Japanese, uh, like new age disco pop music. Okay. Um, yeah. I would say we just leaned into the neo soul of it all yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just this is coming to me now, but um, if, is there a, I go through eras of listening to different types of music. Mm-hmm. Were there two different eras between the between the albums of just like listening to music or like new artists? Yeah, I think um, I think I was listening to more music with the second EP. Yeah, like yeah. I think the first one I wasn't really listening. I'm like very in my podcast uh, era, you <laughs> yeah. know. I like listening to that. I like yeah. listening to people talk. Um, and I think the second one I like was really intentionally going out of my way to listen to references and and yeah. Um, and like contemporary neo soul and R and B music, like what are people doing right now, and what do I like in those things, and how can I emulate that and and bring it to what I Katie Tupper Saskatchewan girl can do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for this, you yeah. know. The second question, and it goes to what you were just saying, is um, what do you want your music to sound like? Um, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. I definitely do have like guiding lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I love Leanne Le Havis. Yes. I was I think, literally listening to her before you got here. Yeah. I think just yeah. like, I would love to be able to have my voice as the main thing. I want that to be like the first thing that catches people, I think. Yeah. Which I think she obviously does. She has incredible lyricism and the production's really cool, but it's like her voice that you hear. Yeah. I love Emily King. Um, yes. I love Napalm. Yes. And yeah. I was listening to a lot of her. I, we listened to a lot of Olivia Dean during mm. this record where it's like pop R&B, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy Crooks. Like, what yeah. are those girls doing? What are the UK R&B girls doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Who else did we listen to? Yeah. Lots yeah. of contemporary girls. Yeah, yeah. What are the girls doing? And And what are you sort of continuously doing now? Or is it? Sorry, what are you continuously doing now to sort of find that sound? Um, and is it just like a, for you, is it like an exercise of just like sort of con- con- continue doing it? Just Taking writing mushrooms. the records? Sure, yeah. 
reading books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no clue. I'm like trying to work on an album right now and I just feel like I'm in a dark room and I'm blindfolded and I'm like trying to find the walls. Like I'm yeah. really <laughs> I really <laughs> it's a song. It's a song. <laughs> I really feel like I have no clue. Like I know, okay, for this album I want it to be faster tempos. I want people to be able to dance at my shows. I want yeah. it just to be like a little bit more pop adjacent, like alt R and B poppy kind of. Yeah. Just so that I can have a little bit more crazy fun on tour. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um and I have my references. I have people that I'm really, really liking and listening to. Um but an album feels like a whole undertaking. And I, I wasn't expecting writing an album to make me feel like it's just so incapable of writing an album. Yeah. It just feels like such a big undertaking and it's exciting and it's lovely. And I feel like I have a lot of time and I feel like I'm working and writing with a lot of really cool people, but I'm having like a really scary time figuring out what I want it to be and sound like, and like to be the debut album, which it's not that serious. Like who cares? I saw a TikTok thing yesterday that said the best thing about being undiscovered is that no one's watching. Yeah. Just do whatever the fuck you want. And like, really no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I want it to be incredible. And I want (laughs) it to be this like masterpiece. Yeah. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're back, everybody. (laughs) Katie does not like, does not like the record scratch. I don't like it. Um. (laughs) <laughs> we'll take we'll take it into consideration. Um, just no, just that's no, my please. one point. <laughs> my one ask. Um. Anyway, back to the show. The show. Back to me not bullying you. Yeah. Um. We originally met uh for a festival that is near and dear to uh, both of our hearts. Uh, you recently went. Yeah, I I just I just was remembered there. that. <laughs> yeah, and it was fucking awesome. It was the best weekend of my life. It's great. It was crazy. Uh, this is the Highlands Music Festival. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out Sammy um, Steiner as well. Um, who we met there. Um, yeah. Shortly after became a drum student of mine. And, and a bestie of mine. Yes. And um, just so great. Such an amazing person. And it's reflected in the festival. It's the most well-oiled machine. Yeah. And it's a tiny festival. Yes. And it's incredible. It's so well organized. It's so well planned. It's mm. so well booked. Mm. Like incredible musicians are playing it. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. I hope it becomes the next big thing. Yeah. Hope everyone goes to it. Yeah. For those who don't know the Highlands Festival, and I only have a reference from two uh, last year. Yeah. And you have this year uh, sort of edition a fresh in your mind but and please correct me if i'm wrong here but it's basically a camping festival uh that has a lot of activities adult to do summer camp. adult summer camp literally a summer camp that they throw a festival but there's like alcohol um, yeah drugs if that's your fancy <laughs> yeah. and like like literally they give out free weed yeah and there's booze and there's incredible acts and you can go water skiing and you can go jump in a lake and there's yeah. a million sports and there's people giving tattoos and piercings and yeah, so much fun. And this is a quick drive from Toronto. I think three hours, three hours. Yeah. Um, Amazing. And it happens at, at the end of uh, September usually. So uh, it's, on. It, 
Yeah, it's a gamble. The heat. <laughs> yes. On the temperature. <laughs> was it cold this year again? No, it was so Whoa, hot. I was swimming gosh. in the lake. I was like diving off diving boards and I went on a um, canoe ride and I was swimming and we were like hung over and tanning on the docks. It was hot. It was awesome. Because last summer it was, it was so <laughs> September cool. was crazy. I was so miserable. Like it was so, so much crazy. fun, but I was so miserable the whole time. Yeah. Like my feet didn't warm up the entire time. Yeah, but but the 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 big pro to have it in September, at late September, is that there are no other festivals that are at the same time. So yeah. you're most likely free. Yeah. So check out the Highlands Festival. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that that's where we met. Um, I say have have here in my notes, coldest night probably ever. Oh my gosh. And also something else that happened on our way home from that festival was we were in a Tesla Uber that had his lane command on and was like jerking around (laughs) and I hadn't eaten. Are you getting to this or no? No, but I didn't know if I wanted to mention it, if you were like going. Yeah, and now I'm scared of Tesla Ubers because this Uber had his like lane (laughs) control on and was like jerking around. I hadn't eaten enough food. And I was obviously hungover, and um, <laughs> we got to Matt's house, <laughs> and it was supposed to be a quick goodbye, and I, like, barreled out of the vehicle, <laughs> and I had to throw up in his neighbor's <laughs> garbage can, <laughs> because, not even because I was hungover, but genuinely because the Tesla Uber had, like, stirred up such a thing inside my body that I was going to spew on the back of our Tesla driver's, or Uber driver's head. <laughs> It was, <laughs> you got out of there. <laughs> you were like, where can I go right now? I was like, I need to vomit yeah. immediately. And then opened this random person. And it might have been the recycling bin, not I even I think it was the recycling bin, yeah. That a crazy ass Thursday, which is Thursday right now. It was recycling day today. So, um, anyway. A, uh, <laughs> That's my Highlands memory. Is Now I'm too scared to ever go in a Tesla Uber again. Wild. Wild. Anyway, we met that we met at that time because uh, I played drums. Yeah, at that festival. Rock and um, roll. with uh with Nate Day, uh, friend of the podcast, obviously <laughs> the other half of Aids, and uh, a friend Jeremy Seventy, Icon, um, yeah. both of them. Um, it was a quick turnaround. I think we got this. We got Asked. one. Yeah, we got one week rehearsals and one. Uh, Sorry, one, one week of notice and one rehearsal the night before. And, yeah. Um, but it was great. I like to keep great. everyone on their toes. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was great. And we also did the Juno Masterclass thing, which was fun. So much fun. Um, just a little bit of context for the live show topic that we're about to uh, sort of tackle here. Um, I say here, when I think about Katie Tupper live shows, especially over the past two years, is that you've had a unique need that has also helped you grow your fan base over the first couple of years of your solo career. Um, and that's the need to hire musicians uh, in individual cities throughout the tour. How do you think that grows my fan base? Because I'm getting new audiences through the friends of these people? I think I think that your need... Sorry. There's a lot of artists that are skeptical of touring mm. without having the, mm. re- the resources to do those tours. Yeah. But, but I sort of, sort of given y'all the flowers mm. that y'all still did it. Oh, yeah. And found a way to do it. Oh, yeah. With getting musicians I'm just in individual cities. interested in why you think that gets me new fans. Like, I'm curious. No, not, it's not necessarily the act of, of hiring new musicians, but, but being able to I'm, go on tour early with 
of limited resources. Okay, okay, I'm caught up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. No, no, I mean, I'm sure. I was like, you, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one or two mom or dad that comes along with everyone that I. Lynn, you don't, she's listening. My mom, lifelong. she's a huge uh, Katie Tupper fan. Really? Oh, yeah. And uh, I recommended you. Hi, Lynn. Your music on, uh, in a work meeting that we had today. And um, uh, a coworker of mine texted me this afternoon saying, you were right about Katie Tupper. I love her music. That's really nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Boots on the ground marketing. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Um, word of mouth. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Um, anyway. Okay. So. So. so <laughs> sorry. Can, can you speak to that need? I, I Honestly. I, yeah. It was. I know that it had been done in the past, but I feel like your need was. Um, and I don't want to call it a need. It's just your way of doing no, things. No, it was. Definitely. Yeah. It was like, okay, I'm getting paid $250 yes. for these opening slots. Yeah. I'm driving myself mm. in my Honda Civic, in the Civ. Shout out Civ. Yeah. That girl has taken me coast to coast. <laughs> um, and it was like, okay, so if I'm doing whatever on gas, I have to find a place to stay tonight. Yeah. If I'm paying the musician that's playing with me, hopefully at least $100, which is so little. Yeah. You know, it's no money at all. Yeah. Maybe 150 Okay, that's $100. I don't have enough money to put them up in a hotel. Mm. So, yeah, I would, like, plan out my route and have the people ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would get in the day of a show, have my first time meeting these people and rehearse, play a show that night, drive to the next place, have a rehearsal and meet the person the morning of the show, play a show. But I feel like the type of shows I do are kind of jammy and low-key now that I have the yeah. privilege and honor of having a consistent band. Yes. I can bake in a performance and like specific parts and everything, but the type of music I'm playing is, you know, there's room to, there's wiggle room. Yeah. So I never felt like deeply scared. And also I've met some of my favorite musicians, like the guys that I'm taking on tour in November, both individually were like one night musicians. Hmm where I met them for the first time, we played a really fun show and I'm like obsessed with them and they're my besties. Yeah. And now they're coming on tour with me. Who is it? Ben Millman. Yeah. Incredible yes, keys, keys player. player. Yeah. Um, Alvin Brennan. Insane Icon. guitar player. Yes. Yeah. And Trent Otter, who's their friend who the three of them came to the UK with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. They're awesome. Great. Um, what are some, are some of the, just the pros and cons of, of, of just doing it like that? Um, pro is, it's cheaper. Yeah. You got to flex a little bit that you've just met that night. People think that's cool. Yes. Yeah. People yeah. are into it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, and the pro is that you get to meet instead of meeting one single musician and spending the whole whatever three to four weeks with them. I'm yeah. meeting different people the whole time and making new friends. Yeah. The con though is, and it's only happened a couple times. If it sounds bad, it sounds bad. I can't find anyone else. Yeah. Or I'd have to play it on my own. But sure. I didn't put a Nord in the back lines. <laughs> <laughs> like the the downside is I show up, I'm rehearsing with these people, and it's not necessarily that they're playing the wrong thing or whatever, but you can just tell innately their choices and their style of music is different than what my style and taste is. Yeah. And they have different inclinations and different like fills that if you do a certain fill that sounds like the world that i'm living in yes. if you do a certain fill it's a very different world yeah it's only happened a couple times but yeah then yeah what you do you spend do? a couple 
I play the show. Okay. And I just try to sing really, really well. Okay. And hope that no one notices. Sure. And I try to beg for slim simplicity. Mm. I say, whatever, you, let's just play it as simple and as cordy and open as sure, possible. And sure. I just try to sing my ass off. You're singing. Yeah, to cover it up. Yes. Definitely, I just need to start playing, uh, like accompanying myself. That would be the solution. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever be like in rehearsals, be like, oh, sorry, guys, we're not even going to play the show mind. tonight. Yeah. No, 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 no. But I definitely need to just start playing for myself. Yeah. And you you have in the past, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can and I do. I just yeah. really enjoy not having to. Yeah. It feels more fun and I feel like I get to connect with people a lot more mm-hmm. on stage. Because yes, yeah. I'm focusing on that and looking deep into people's yeah. faces versus mm-hmm. like kind of being hidden behind a keyboard. Yeah. And especially for that type of music. Yeah. It's like so like about the chemistry and the vibe between the musicians. Totally. That it's like it's just it's just a different thing. Totally. It's like um Yeah, yeah. I would not recommend it. Mm. But also eh, whatever. Yeah. If that's what you have to do, you got you gotta do it. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and you ha- that's what you had to do. That's what I had to do. Exactly. Um when it comes to live shows, um, what are you looking to like communicate first and foremost? I think the most important thing is uh, connecting very deeply with my audience. I want to walk away and be like, I stared deeply into your soul mm-hmm. and I feel like you were able to tap into the emotions that I felt while writing these songs yeah, and the yeah. emotion of each individual song. I think that's the most important thing. And I, I think as someone who's not really um instrumentalist, yeah. that's like what I have to offer yeah. is I'm going to put some energy into <laughs> it and hopefully you'll receive it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are some of the things that you sort of do or think about when you're performing and want to have that connection with those audience? Is it like looking into people's mm, like, I just black out. I think I just, um, <laughs> Like to go up there and try to be, if not as close to what I'm like, yeah, off stage, yes, uh, just an elevated version of that, yeah. But I like to just kind of be the same person, yeah. Um, and less so telling myself things before I go on stage, but I like to have a quick shot of tequila, yeah. I like to go into a private room, like a bathroom, and flail around. When I was in the Juno Masterclass, that was one of the performance techniques was like go into a room and put a timer on for two minutes and just like do the most insane things you can think of and make weird faces at yourself and like get outside of your box and stretch your limits. Yeah. To your yeah capacity. Yeah. Um, and then you won't feel silly on stage because you've already pushed your boundary far enough. So I like to do that flail around a bit. If I have privacy. So you've done some headline shows. I've done a couple. But a lot of it. Have been opening shows. Yeah, almost um, all of them. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to list a little bit here, but okay. City in Color, yeah. um, Matt Corby, yeah. Baja Balat, mm-hmm. and, and now uh, Busty in the Bass. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. How have these experiences been uh, compared to sort of your limited headline performances? Um, yeah, it's a really different feeling, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Especially for someone like Matt Corby or City and Color, where the shows are selling out before you're attached to it, yes. and you're not pulling any tickets, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
it's really fun because it's an opportunity to present yourself to a completely new audience and try to win people over, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. I think it's a really fun challenge um, just to try to win people over and have them like me by the end of the night. Yeah, yeah. Um, or at least like remember yes. that there was an opener. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. Um, and then the headlining shows are completely different because it's people that are coming to watch you and yeah. they know your songs and they're singing the words singing to along, your songs yeah. and they spent their money on you specifically, which is like such a crazy honor. Yeah. Um, but I think like my attitude towards shows stay the same regardless if I'm opening or headlining. Yeah. Like maybe there's more attention to the production of it all for a headlining show. Yeah, sure. Like for these headlining dates I'm about to do, like I'm definitely considering far more things than if I were to just go on an opening thing. Yeah. Um, and I could have a full band, which is fun. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love both of them. I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. if, especially when I've been opening for these like crazy people that I've been looking up to, it's like pretty hard to not love those shows. You yeah, know? yeah. Have you taken some of the things, like, what have you taken from those experiences that you're now maybe even thinking about, like, in in the headline tour that's coming up? Yeah, I think um, being able to talk about, talk to people that are on headline tours about things that are going right, things that are going wrong, like, just yeah, kind yeah. of learning and yeah. and talking to these people and seeing, you know, someone like Haley Blay, who is incredible and has this, like, insanely adoring fan base uh versus someone like city and color like what are their attitudes behind the scenes very similar very lovely nice people mm-hmm. um and just kind of like seeing what feels good as an opener and how i want to treat people that are opening for me because everyone that i've opened for has been really really lovely and really nice um and you kind of hear horror stories of people that open for assholes and I haven't had any of that. I've had some really, really nice people Yeah, yeah. and trying to like learn lessons of like, this is how I want to treat people. This is how I want to pay people. This is how I want to, and the environment I want to create around my shows. Yeah. yeah. Trying to learn from that. I think mm-hmm. it's been fun. Are there some things that you see on stage that you're like, Oh, that's cool. Like I want to sort of do that or emulate that or maybe, yeah. maybe it's not exact things, but like I think em- emulate that feeling. Yeah, or? definitely. Um, just like being able to watch like someone like, yeah, City in Color. It's like a master class at a live show. You're watching the dynamics. You're watching how they interact with their crowd and this sort of like superhero vibe they give off where it's like, they're just so cool. Yeah. And just having like parts baked into their set, which just makes it so much more fun to watch if that's what you're going for. If you're going for like a jazz improv show that's cool too but I think because I've had so many uh limited rehearsal performances yes I don't have those parts baked in and actually remember um there was a band that played at Highlands last year when we were there that had parts and had all these everyone was playing at the same time and I remember just being like I'm so excited to have enough money to do that yeah yeah, one day where I can pay a full band and we have enough time to rehearse and we can IDA brainstorm and yeah rehearsal. we can put parts yeah. into the show and yeah. like have it be a full production not just me singing in front of people yeah yeah do you have some key highlights of opening like I mean I'm sure every show has been great you yeah know? do you have some some highlights um from some opening slots um I always love playing in Vancouver 
yeah. the past couple of times I've been in Vancouver, it's been so fun. Um, and I think it's like crazy when you're opening for someone not ex- and like expecting to have to win everyone over. And then there's a few girls in the crowd that are singing your words. Like that's always really special. Yeah. Um, the entire process of opening for City and Color at Bud Stage was crazy because you roll up and you like don't touch a single thing. People un genuinely you don't touch anything in your car. They unload everything yes, for you yeah. and and then you eat this really good food and then you're in a really nice green room. Catering you know? is always killing. Yeah. Um yeah. so that was really fun just to see the scale at which like stadium shows or amphitheater shows yeah, yeah, operate. Yeah. Um are you going into this this this, this tour? Um are you are you more nervous? Yeah. Than than like oh an my god slot yes vibe? yeah is anyone gonna come sure is a single sure. ticket gonna sell does anyone care right 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 like I am confident in my band I know we're gonna put on great shows I know every yeah. show is gonna be incredible and we have some really really fun openers like I know the night is gonna be fun yes yeah. but just like okay let's see if anyone cares <laughs> less so cares and just like shows up sure and let's see you know if. We make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? The strategy with with some of the artists that I, I've toured with, performed with, um, is to to eventually like to do those like opening shows mm-hmm. in those markets, exactly. Such as Saskatoon, Edmonton, <laughs> Canmore, Vancouver, Kelowna, Calgary, Regina, Winnipeg in November, December. Katie Tupper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the, the strategy would be like, or has been, from my experience, just like doing opening slots in there. Totally. And then eventually getting to that headline. Uh, stuff like is there is there like what are the talks like behind like even just programming a tour like that like where do you come in where's the agents coming in do they have ideas first where's it for you um yeah i think we definitely targeted markets that i've spent the most time in which is western canada yeah um and i think as much as we like, I, I don't really have control over where I open. Like, you know, the places where I open. Yeah. I just get tagged along. So I think it was less so going to the markets where I've already been opening and just let's see what my ticket value is so that for the next people that I open for, I can say, hi, I'll bring yes. yeah. this dollar amount to your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your shows aren't sold out yet. I'll sell 20%. Right. 10%, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think that was more of a strategy and something that pushed – um, us to decide to do a headline tour, what I feel is like relatively early on. Um, but I think it's just to see less so to like, let's sell out every venue. It's like, okay, let's see realistically mm-hmm. what type of market I pull in every city or what type of audience I pull in every city. And then now I'll have that to apply to show totally. larger opening acts yeah, yeah, yeah. or headlining acts. It's a good way to think about it, and not. And of course, the fans don't think about it. No, of course. You know, I like that. Yeah, and totally. It's one of the one of the reasons why we do this on the pod is just like getting a, a behind the scenes look at like yeah. even the process of that. Totally. Um, and let's say okay, so the the the, the tours in November, mm-hmm. December. Like, when was it booked? Uh, months ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know. Like probably yeah. five months ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because like venues book, they have their whole year of shows basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we booked it a hand 
handful of months ago. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was my agents like, okay, we know yeah. that we want to do this. We know that we want to book this. And then they reached out to promoters and stuff. Cool. Last topic of this, uh, sorry, last, last sort of vibe um, before we head on to another topic here is what is the dream and what are the goals for you? I know it's, it's a, it's a big question. Yeah. Um, what is the current like goal for you? Um, I want to be able to do music for as long as humanly possible. Yeah. I think that's like the overarching goal. I would love to be able to do music, create projects, tour in a way that's financially sustainable so that this can be my job for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. That's like the safe goal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The m- other goal is like I want to be regarded as like a m- large musician and I want to be considered like among these peers that I look up to and you know yeah 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 um I just think I want to get to like that big level yeah yeah definitely not a Beyonce level first of all I think you have to be trained well you have to be Beyonce and also trained from like the age of 12 years old (laughs) (laughs) like really really yeah regimed into it but um yeah I think I just want to make music that I'm really proud of I want to be able to be successful enough that I can pay people that I really like to work with me. Yeah. I think I want to get to the point where if I really like someone's style of drumming or I really like their styling or I really like their coloring for a music video, I want to be able to and really like overpay these people. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. That's what I hope to get to. Um, And then also, yeah, just like have this as my job for as long as possible. Yeah. And I want to tour a ton. Yes. I want to tour in the, like, Europe again. I want to tour across Asia. I want to do the States. I want to do across Canada again. I want to yeah. just tour as much as possible mm-hmm. at like a big scale. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my, that's my current goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a, do you have a dream venue to play at? Yeah. It would be crazy to headline like Bud Stage or I think actually more so I feel right now my dream venues are more so like festivals yes like i would yeah, love to sure. play oceaga i'd love to play lala i'd love to play you know austin city limits whatever yeah, yeah. it's more yeah. like festivals yeah. and on like a state a real stage there yeah you know? <laughs> yeah sure 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 and just to put it out in the universe do you have <clears throat> excuse me do you have like um some artists right now that you'd love to open for joy crooks olivia dean yeah georgia smith mm. um in Canada, well, obviously they're bigger than Canada, but like Daniel Caesar would be crazy. Charlotte Day Wilson would be crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like the UK R&B girls, they're like my icons. I love them. Yeah. yeah. I would love to open for them. And that, I feel like that's a realistic goal where, yes, you know, within yeah. a couple of years, God willing, that could happen. Yeah. Why not? You Olivia know? Dean, please let me open for you. And we're back. Katie, Katie, Katie hates the record. I know I said it last time, I but just, like just, just to, to reemphasize again, um, we're here. 40th, 40th episode, which, by the way, is a crazy number. Um, we also have a guest here now in the room, Nay Day, taking a, a selfie with uh, – for, for the for the for the I don't know for the socials maybe maybe it's a private collection thing yeah um, he's a fan of mine yeah he's just you weren't even in the picture he cropped yeah. you out I'm serious 
um, I, uh, I wanted to touch briefly on um, community. It's a, it's a core value of ours at eight. And um, I wanted to ask you specifically about community because I've, you're coming from a different community, stepping into a new community that mm-hmm. is uh, Toronto. And uh, I feel like even if you're coming into a community of Toronto, um, you still have a great community here and the friends that you've made here being with arts and crafts, being uh, an artist in the music industry, Mm -hmm. um, specifically with, um, you know, shout out to Georgia. um, Georgia Harmer. Yeah, to Dylan, um, to Justice, um, the whole crew of, of in my mind, um, the indie like folk world is yeah. how I like categorize them totally. in my brain. I don't know if that's a fair sort of ca- cat- yeah. or ca- cat- category category categorization categorization to put them in. Um, but um, to me, some of the best music that's being made in Toronto. Uh, I agree. Is, uh, is, 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 is my friends. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Specifically. Um, yeah. What, uh, what does community mean to you? And, um, yeah, let's start there. I think it is so incredibly important, if not the only thing that matters in the music industry. Yeah. Like, obviously, the music matters, but mm-hmm. the community and having a good community makes... I This is already the best job in the world when you have your friends around and when you have good community. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's seven bajillion times better. Yeah. And it makes sense why people care about community because it makes life a lot better. Yes. A lot yeah. sweeter. And... And it's having those friends on the road and it's like even going to festivals oh. with some friends oh or my God. when I, I'm, I'm sure you can speak to, to this because I, I've seen it on Instagram where you, you go to a festival and your friends playing as well or something, or yeah. you're doing the same festival, yeah. whether it be uh, like the Winnipeg, like the or Winnipeg Folk Fest yeah. or Regina or like, yeah. anyway. Um, no, it makes it so much better. Yes. And Georgia actually taught me this hack of, Bringing a friend along as a tour manager. Yes. That's all I'm ever going to do. Because <laughs> I have my friend Molly, who's, she's joining us halfway on the tour TMing, and she sort of tour managed, tour mommed me earlier in the spring for a yeah. bunch of dates. It is such a game changer. Yeah, having, yeah. like, obviously you love your band, you love everyone around you, but, like, having your one friend with you. Yes. Like, I get why people have, like, entourages and like posses yes because it's so much more fun having your friends all around you yeah especially when you're doing like such an incredibly it's like doesn't matter and music is like important but it's not serious uh when you're doing something that's still really stressful and really taxing and really like socially draining having a friend Mm -hmm. that you can like hang out with yeah yeah is really important Especially if you're doing those bigger tours or this headline that you're about to do. Totally. Or it's like, okay, I haven't been, I haven't seen my, whether it be uh, your partner, your family, yeah. your animals, like your, yeah. your pets. Totally. Big, big one. Um, having that, that person that can be comforting and it's different. And we see yeah. it with a lot of, we, with a lot of the artists that we've, we've toured with, played shows with. It's that, okay, yes, we're a band, we're friends, we're great friends, um, but Let's say, for example, Elio having her partner Mike there is so, like a complete game changer for her. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, so important. Yeah. And and yeah, there's a big difference between band members, even totally. managers. Well, because also, I love my managers. I love my bandmates. But it's like, 
we work together. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't think, I think it should blend and I think you should be friends with everyone you work with and you should love and respect everyone you work with. But I don't think your bandmates also need to be your emotional support system and all this. Like, mm, yeah. I think it's okay to have like a little bit more straight boundaries yeah, yeah. with the people you are on tour with. And then you can rely on a friend or a partner or whatever to, because to be playing music and then also having to be relied on to be an emotional support system. Like it's just a lot to be, to fill all these roles, which often people have to, because it's not that often you can bring so many additional people on tour, but yeah, I think it's really nice and important to have your friends mm-hmm. on tour with you. And it might be a hack, but even to having that, having that friend on a grant or something as totally. like the TM. Totally. Could <laughs> just change the game. No, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, because also, Pick an organized friend. They can tour manage. Yes. You know, tour managing is something that you can be good at it and you should be good at it. But also it's like, are you organized and will you track someone down for my money and will you be good at selling my merch? Yes. And will you make sure you know where the next hotel is? Great. You can tour manage. Yes. Yeah. You know, I feel like people really prop it up as like this like big role and it's very important and there's a very big difference between having someone who's a good TM and who's a bad TM. Yes. But if you're still small like me and it doesn't really matter and you don't really need a tm and i could probably take on the duty of it you can bring your friend yeah and just to, for the listeners listening as well we we experienced this this summer uh with a band that we were we were touring with um the canadian arts council now oh, has bless. a grant a caregiver grant if you have a child and you want to bring them on the road they pay an extra hotel room oh, and they pay my God. a salary for that caregiver as they should yes yeah so that's a whole, that's a new thing. Oh, that's, that's like a amazing. new, like 2023 thing. Yeah. And uh, a band that we were, we were touring with this oh, summer called Bo Nectal, they like applied, got it and uh, wrote, you know, you know, Rosie, my close child was with us for the mo- yeah, that's for most amazing. tour with her partner and sometimes her mom as well. Yeah. So um, game changer. Game, um, and game changer for female musicians and female of artists. Of course. Of course. That's so important. I had no clue about that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Wow. So for the listeners out there, please check it out. Uh, have I, babies and bring them on the road. <laughs> there you go. That's my message. There, yeah. yeah. I have babies on the road. I don't know. <laughs> With a thumbs up. <laughs> See, that's a good use of the record scratch. Yes. Yeah. No, no. I think you just need to work you on your timing. <laughs> well. I meant it to be awkward there, but yeah, totally. um, <laughs> just bullying you. Uh, can you speak to this? I'm coming from a small community in Northern Ontario, um, and you're coming from Saskatoon. Even smaller. <laughs> well, probably. Yeah. yeah. Maybe your population. 160,000? Mm, I was two, maybe now 300,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. So same though. Basically. Similar. Similar. Half. Same diff. Same diff. Um, I feel a very strong community still, um, or a very strong connection with the musical community in Sudbury. Um, can you speak to like your community in Saskatoon and how it sort of has carried you through and still now mm-hmm. to, um, to the artists that you've become now? Yeah, I think it's a very small community. Yes. Especially if you get into, uh, sort of like the alt R&B, not country music, not country right. or folk music. Um, even the country and folk scene is pretty small, but definitely a little bit larger. And you have a couple more, uh, role models and like footsteps to follow in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, but the scene in Saskatoon is awesome. There's so many people that I'm so excited 
that are coming up in Saskatoon. And I think because it's so much smaller, I feel a lot closer to a handful of people because we got each other. Yes. You know, like genuinely yes. you could count the people in your scene on five fingers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that makes it really, really special and uh, a little bit intense, just like how much we support each other and rally for each other. And then also the Sask music, like our grant system or like, what would it be called? Music yeah, council. Just, um, provincial. Our provincial music, uh, like, funding body. Funding body. <laughs> they are incredible. Yes. And I think uh, when they see someone with momentum, not saying this is about me, but when they see people with momentum, I think they are so encouraging and so um, uplifting, and they really – they will extend themselves over train tracks to make sure that you have every single resource you can use. Yeah. And um, in my situation, um, yeah, they've just been incredible and been really, really helpful um, and gotten me to really cool festivals and like are really supportive with grant money and mm, yeah. are, are letting like it, they're making it possible to not only, you know, grow beyond Saskatoon if that's what you want to do, but um, also to like build up the arts community within, like I'm able to choose directors for videos within Saskatchewan. I'm able to use my Saskatchewan makeup artists and stylists and all this stuff, which is really, really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I love Sask music and I love all of my musician friends from <laughs> Saskatoon. That's great. Now splitting your time between both Saskatoon and Toronto. Um, have you found that community yet i know we've we've we've, you know name dropped all the friends and stuff how do how are you feeling in regards to sort of um finding your sort of place here Mm -hmm. and um and i ask you that because it took me a while totally um to just you know find a a circle yeah you know um how are you feeling about that and what are some of the steps that you know even as a community and any community could take to sort of have get more people or Mm -hmm. make people more sort of comfortable in their community yeah I think I'm lucky because one of my best friends period yes is an incredible musician yeah who lives in Toronto who's grown up in Toronto who's you know done the whole art school situation so Mm -hmm. I kind of just get to fly in beside her and and make friends with all of her friends um and then I think on top of that my label has been really really cool and really inclusive and has put me on to a lot of really cool people and invited me to a lot of really fun events where I get to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to encourage a thriving arts community, um, people just need to put money towards it and, and create opportunities for these people to come together. Opportunities that are exciting and fresh and, and cool. Yeah. People want to go to those things. Yeah. And I think Toronto does a really good job of it. There's and whether it's, you know, the government that's doing this or just local tastemakers that are um, doing this. And then people are showing up with their money and with their support, like listening room. Yes. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I just started going to their shows. They're incredible. And this is a a woman that saw an opportunity and maybe like a lapse in the market for these types of live events yes yeah and she's created them and there's this insanely beautiful community that's surrounding it um 
And I think it's going to be like a really long lasting thing. Yeah. Which is really exciting. For those who don't know about li- <clears throat> listening room, what, how would you describe it? Um, it's sort of like a live jam session um, that each month they specifically, I think right now they're going through the Soulquarians. Yes. So they, or Soulquarian adjacent artists. So they have a house band that will study the music of one specific neo-soul artist. Last month it was Roy Hargrove. And they study this artist's like tendencies and their entire catalog. And then the whole night they'll play either songs or in the style of Roy Hargrove. Yeah. Um, and then invite other musicians to come and jam. And, and so the whole night, every instrument is being swapped out by different people that are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really, really fun um, and really exciting just to see. I don't know. I, I felt, felt like so excited to get to witness yeah. something like that where someone's clearly put a lot of time and energy and love into an event. And I think it has a lot of impact and is really, really important and cool. Everybody, please check it out. Um, this li- month is, well, this podcast is going to come out after, but I think it's Jill Scott. Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just check out Listening, Listening room. room. Do you know the handle? Listening Room Toronto? Listening Room? Something like that. Something we'll find like that. it. It'll be in the comments. Yeah. Um, great. Now, to end the app, we got the Dream Fest game. Oh, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We can do it, okay. you know, sort of um, just like a brainstormy vibe. Okay. Um, basically, for the for the listeners that don't know what the Dream Fest game is, it's, um, it's, it's a chance for us, even for me, to get a chance to uh, see what the guests would want to see. Can I look at my phone? Yeah, please, yeah. Okay. What, what the guests would want to um, attend at a festival. Who, who, whose concert would they want to attend at the festival? So I would, I'm okay. going to ask you, who would headline the evening, the okay. night? Who okay. would be the second headliner? Oh, my God. Okay. The opener? Okay. Where would it be? Okay. When? Um, the attendance. Okay. And how would you add your own flavor to the event? Yeah. If, if you were to program the the evening. Okay. Yeah. So you can also take your time. We can take a break as well. Opener. Yeah. Second headliner. 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 23? Yeah. Twenty-three. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Do okay. you, Do you want to take a break? Okay. Or? No. 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 Okay. I might need to take a break on the artist, but it has to be late summer, early fall. Okay. Like an August vibe? Some would call it August. <laughs> I don't care if it's early September, late August, okay, whatever. Okay, okay. I just want it to be not in the heat of all of it, but yes. I want it to be warm and I want people to be comfortable outside. Right. Okay. I would like it to be either on Vancouver Island mm. or just Lake Country. Okay. Not to copy Highlands, but <laughs> right. I think that's the most incredible and beautiful place to listen to music in the entire world. And I want there to be no service for your phone. There you go. So those is are that your mine. is that your like is that your like uh, how would you put your own spin on it like no service oh. or is that some is that something something well, else? Highlands there was just no service because it's okay. so far out yeah, in yeah, the yeah. woods. But yes. um, oh, my own spin on it. Okay. 
once mushrooms are legalized, yes, I want them to be dispensed at the music festival <laughs> in a safe way so people can start go. listening to music on mushrooms if they want to, if they yeah. dabble. Yeah. Um, that probably shouldn't be my spin, but it can be. Okay. I'll be cool and edgy and say <laughs> okay. that. What do other people say for this? Um, well, there's different questions sometimes I ask, or I can ask you as well, if there would be uh, like a, a food or beverage that would be specifically like a Katie Tupper, like beverage or a food that you like that you, you would want to do like mm. they, they want like, uh, the, the, the people that are attending, um, to have Nate a couple weeks ago was, <laughs> He wanted um, <laughs> and this egg pa- eggplant parmesan from Ugh. Rizzo's. Oh, crazy catered. <laughs> you were yeah. You were like oh, and then you were like oh. <laughs> mm, um, I think it was bougie eggplant farm. Okay. For all of Central Park, which is he said a hundred thousand people. That's where your festival is. Mm, okay, mine's gonna be in upstate New York, <laughs> and my spin is everyone has to dress up like me to get entrance. <laughs> You can be any era as me. So yeah. dye, but you have to commit, like, dye your hair red, baby bangs, right. whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the food, I don't really care. It'll be good, though. Um, okay. Let's discover here. Okay. Who'd open? Okay. I think I want either Faye Webster or OK Kaya to open. Okay. I think those are my joint openers. Yeah, they could do a like a they do could do okay. a, like a duo or set. also Ethan Greska. Oh my god. Okay, I think I'm doing a three way split. Okay, I think we're gonna have multiple stages, and I think <laughs> yeah. Faye Webster and Ethan Greska. Hey, these people are too big. Well, okay, okay. Well, like compared to your second opener, they're too big. Yeah, I think they're my second opener. Okay, Faye Webster, Ethan Greska, Okay Kaya, which is wild. That's a good festival. Yes. Okay, my openers are going to be Field Guide. Okay. From Winnipeg. Yes. Um, Oh, this girl I just heard listening to that's so good. Hannah Jadaka. Do you know how to say her last name? Hannah? No. She's amazing. Okay. And Nourished by Time. Okay. Nourished by Time. Hannah... Chadagu, G-A-D-A-G-U. Yeah. And Field Guide. Okay. Those are my openers. Okay, great. And my headliners would be Caliucci's. Okay. Caliucci's. Yeah. Um, Harry Styles. Okay. <laughs> Caliucci's. Yeah. And, oh, Sid Saram. Sir Saram. Okay. Ever I don't know this artist. No. He's insane okay he's so incredible yeah um i think he's put out like mainly punjabi music okay and then his last album that he just put out is fully english yeah and he's like this massive star okay and is like making his way into western culture and is insane and his live shows are crazy and i want him to headline also harry styles fantastic <laughs> oh, geez. yeah and since we're there you go there you go. Everybody, that's how we end the app. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for having me. It's so great to like learn more about your process, even just like the record process, talking about the live thing. Yeah. Um, getting getting some um some insight on where you're from as well. The beginnings of uh, of totally. Katie Tupper. What's coming next as well. Yeah. Um and um just just a bunch of music business stuff as well that hopefully the listeners can can, you know, have learned a little bit. 
um, throughout the I pod. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, for those listening, um, check out Katie Tupper on her tour, Where to Find Me. Uh, it's late November, 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 uh, early December. It's in Saskatoon, Edmonton, Canmore, Vancouver, Kelowna, Calgary, Regina, and Winnipeg. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, please keep on interacting and um, have a great week. We'll see you next, next time. time. Bye. <laughs> Love ya. Bye.